We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to another edition of the Rams Talk Radio Podcast. I'm Steve Ribeiro, joined by Johnny Gomez. We're going to be breaking down the Rams' Week 3 matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. This is kind of an interesting one because Week 1, the Rams look brutal and the Bucks look pretty good. And then last week was the opposite. So we'll just start with, uh, with Johnny, what are your overall expectations of this game? You think this is winnable? Oh, it's, it's for surely a winnable game. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, while they are on the uprise admittedly, Still have a lot to work out. In all, in all honesty, this is exactly almost like a mirror effect. I mean, obviously, there's different weaknesses and different strengths between both teams. But I'd like to think that the Rams could be potentially on the rise, bearing in mind that we do a few changes. Same thing with with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So two two. Potentially talented teams. I don't know. We'll see we'll, uh, if either one of these teams have the potential to make the playoffs at some point. If the Rams continue to play like they did in week one, I'm not hopeful. But in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, you know, yeah, they, they look pretty solid against the Atlanta Falcons. But against the Arizona Cardinals, they just were smashed. And and rightfully so, you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals are, are – uh, Definitely a playoff lock in my opinion, and my favorite to win the NFC West. So it, it may be a little bit different compared to the Rams being massacred by the San Francisco 49ers. 
you know, in all honesty, it could go either way. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams lose. Wouldn't surprise me if the Rams win. Yeah, they're kind of in very similar situations, but have had pretty opposite paths of getting there. The Bucks beat the team they were supposed to be and look good and then lost badly to the team they were supposed to lose to. And the Rams were the complete opposite, losing to a bad team and then beating a good team in pretty somewhat convincing fashion. But it'll be interesting. Yeah, sums up a Jeff Fisher team, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So this game's on the road. So I would give – I think the Rams will win. It'll be close. But um, I like you said, it wouldn't be very surprising if they lost. So this is the most important factor of looking at Rams games over the past two weeks. They've scored a total of nine points, haven't scored a touchdown yet. So how many points will it take for Tampa Bay to score for you to be genuinely concerned about us losing – and having no hope of coming back. I feel like if they score more than 14 points, uh, th- that that's end game. Yes. Because <laughs> honestly, the uh, our offense just terrifies me. I, I feel like the even if the defense allows 14 points, that's still a solid job by the defense. But considering nine points in two games, that's just astonishing to me. I can't. I mean, we're we're way far away from the greatest show on turf era when we can pretty much score that in, like, under 60 seconds. Yeah, 14's my number two. And honestly, once I get in double digits, I'm genuinely concerned. The, the offense has been brutal. Now, the Tampa Bay defense is a little weaker than what we've played, especially with Seattle. So hopefully, since they look pretty good in Seattle, this will be a better game for them. But yeah, 14 points, and I'm worried. And this is a beatable defense that has talent, but unfortunately for us, we got to rely on our run game, and the Bucks have a good running defense and a bad passing defense. I don't know if I trust Case Keenum to take advantage of playing against a poor pass defense, and I think that's on the coaching to make up some plays that'll be able to beat the secondary and get us some points and open up the run. I have kind of mixed reservations on that, to be honest. Last year, if you go back to last year, Case Keenum had a pretty decent performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks. True, it was at home, but at the same time, you know, he he still, you know, looked pretty good. Maybe not like Pro Bowl good, but, you know, for Case Keenum, he looked pretty good. And one of the reasons why he he was granted the starting position from the get-go, it really depends on... If, if Case Keenum can just make a few plays, uh, make a few passes, mid-range pass, passes is what I'm looking for. If we can make some mid-range passes and make them, you know, often, I think that we're, we're going to be looking pretty good. But passes at the line of scrimmage, if that's what it's going to be all game long, I'm not very confident. And we may even see a repeat over the last two games where Gurley's just going to try and make something out of nothing. And <laughs> I, I'm just – it, it does kind of concern me a bit if we're resorting to just line of scrimmage passes. Yeah, the passing game has to get more vertical. And you made a good point bringing up Case Keenum last year. I pulled up the box score. 14 of 17 for 234 yards and two touchdowns. If you take away the touchdowns, that's what you expect for Case Keenum, and those are a bonus, and that's a solid performance. And, I mean, the Bucks weren't very good last year either, but they weren't bad. So you got to hope that 
this will be kind of his breakout moment and he'll either this will be his big game to put a lock on the starting spot or if he looks bad against a bad pass defense you have to think there might be a quarterback change incoming and last year even Todd Gurley 21 rushes for 48 yards against the Bucks, so not great either yikes yeah but if they can open up that passing game and they have a weak receiving core but there is talented guys and if they could get Tavon going, if Keenum and Kenny Brick can continue to get a good rapport like they've had in the past couple of weeks, and if they could protect Keenum and stop that D-line, it might open up some things. You you basically you basically said the key player right there, uh, Kenny Britt. Yeah. Kenny Britt has you know looked really promising the past two games. I'm hoping he can continue this. You know, I, I don't know if we have a legitimate number one in Kenny Britt on any other team, but on the Rams, he's for surely the number one. Been the most consistent wide receiver so far, and I hope he can just limit the drop passes. And I think he, uh, if he if he limits that, I think the Rams will be looking good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if Gurley will be able to get go well against you know the Tampa Bay rush defense, but. I don't know. We'll see. Kenny Britt is solid. I think he gets a bad rap because he's the best player on a bad receiving core. And I'm not going to be sit here and act like Kenny Britt is a number one guy. But I think if they brought in an Alshon Jeffrey type player, Kenny Britt would be a great player on the other side. And on most teams, I think he'd be a very good number two receiver. And people forget that he was a – I'm not sure if he made the pro route, but he was at least a borderline pro bowler for a little bit in Tennessee during one of those stretches. Yeah, 2010 had nine touchdowns. So he's talented. And I think him, he, him and Tavon are the X factors in that one of them, if not both, have to be big players in the passing game. And hopefully this is the week they get the running game going because Todd Gurley has been trying, as we've said on this podcast. So hopefully they can push him a little bit more and get him some holes. I think what also may help is one of the biggest issues – is we've been having, you know, limited wide receivers. Kenny Britt, Tavon Austin, obviously, are the the top two. But depth-wise, we just haven't had much else because of injuries. You have Brian Quick, and pretty much know how I feel about Kenny or Brian Quick. Uh, not very confident there, although he did make, make one catch last week. One catch. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm bad. I gotta stop that. No, but, he's not good. He's bad. <laughs> but um, as far as beyond that, uh, receiving core has been very limited. And you know we've gotten a little bit of good news. Um, Nelson Spruce, Farrell Cooper have been playing limited at practice, so there's a chance that they may play. I I think they could be difference makers. If given the opportunity, especially, I mean, at this point, throw throw anybody out there. I am definitely have more faith in Spruce than Brian Quick. I, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, honestly, they need them, if anything, just to have more bodies and more players that are actually solid football players. Because, I mean, without Cooper and Spruce, it's just such a thin group of receivers. You got Michael Thomas and you got Bradley Marquez. I mean, Thomas might have some promise. We know we know what we have with Marquez. So then it's basically just Britt, Tavon, and Brian Quick out there at all times. 
So you mix in Spruce, you mix in Farrell Cooper, two players with potential, and hopefully that'll help open things up. And maybe they could get one of them on the field this week, if not both. So that would definitely help. For sure. Looking at the other side of the ball, before I really looked into the numbers, I was a little bit scared to play against this Tampa team. But Arizona exposed them and exposed their weaknesses. And they're 18th in passing right now, 23rd in total offense. What on the Bucks side of the ball gives you concern going against our defense? There's really not a whole lot. Uh, you, you may have a case for Evans, Mike Evans, but I feel like True will, will hold him down. Um, it, hopefully we have EJ Gaines back, and by no means should we put Cody Sensabaugh on Mike Evans. No. <laughs> that would be disastrous. Uh, I, I can tell you this, if Sensabaugh is on Evans, he'll, he'll make him look silly. That's just reality. But other than that, Jameis Winston hasn't had the best um, first two games. You know, if you really look at his stats, five touchdowns, five interceptions. Don't get me wrong, at least he has touchdowns. But the five interceptions to go along with it just shows that he's still making mistakes. He's still not quite at that level where if he's pressured, it's going to rock him a bit. And if as long as we do that, as long as the defensive line – you know, Robert Quinn, Aaron Donald, whoever can get to him. Um, I, I'm pretty confident that that uh, Jameis Winston is going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm real high on Jameis as a franchise guy, but I agree that he's still working out the kinks and he's still adjusting. Once he stops making those mistakes, I think he'll be a pretty consistent pro bowler, but he's still got some work to do. Not having Doug Martin is big. Charles Sims is good in the past game, but I'm not really too concerned about him as a rushing threat, especially against our defensive line and Alec Ogletree. But yeah, Mike Evans gives me a little bit of concern. While Tremaine Johnson's on him, I'm not too worried, but if the matchups get switched and he ends up on, say, Troy Hill or Cody Sensabaugh, they're probably going to attack. And even Vincent Jackson to a much lesser extent, but big plays can bite this defense this game because of how a guy like Vincent Jackson, who's a good deep threat, if he's matched up against Cody Sensabaugh one-on-one with no safety over the top on that specific play, as a touchdown, and like we said about the offense, touchdowns need to be contained for us to have any chance of winning because who knows how many points this offense could put on the board given how they've played this year. Very true. Uh, Vincent Jackson, although I will say I still find him highly overrated, um, I, yeah, he, he's very overrated, but at the same time, uh, even overrated guys can make plays and it just takes that one moment and, and it even almost happened in, uh, in the game against Seattle, you know, Lockett had a couple nice plays here and there and it got him up more than half the field. So yeah, uh, all it takes, especially with a guy like Vincent Jackson is that one play and, with our offense, that could be the nail in the coffin. So um, receiving is probably the most concerning, but if EJ Gaines is back and healthy, Tremaine Johnson's going to do his thing. I won't be that concerned, but if he if Gaines is out still, I, I may have a few concerns. Gaines coming back would be a huge plus, but even with that, I think he's going to take a week or two to get back into form. 
And I would rather have this defense just play a little bit more conservative, given that Doug Martin's out. I'd rather have them have men back deep at all times to prevent big plays and just kind of make the Tampa Bay offense just kind of try and wear them down, which I don't have faith in them being able to do. I don't think they're that kind of offense without Doug Martin, who's kind of a consistent back. But without him, you know, Charles Sims isn't going to go up the gut and get four or five yards every play. I just I really don't see that happening. And one thing no. I really think the Rams need to do right now the Bucks have the worst turnover differential in the NFL six turnovers and they haven't had they haven't forced any turnovers yet a lot of that came last week when Jameis made a lot of mistakes and hopefully they can bait him into a couple and maybe force some fumbles because that'll be big and swaying the tide and hopefully getting the ball in field goal range so our offense doesn't have to do anything and we could just kick it message to Greg Williams blitz the hell out of Jameis Winston. Blitz. Please give give me some more blitzes. Definitely. You got to put pressure on him. Forcing him into mistakes would be a difference maker. One thing that I just had to note because I was looking at the league leaders. Rams obviously have the worst passing offense in the league, but they're only 40 yards behind Green Bay. Wow. How is that even possible? I had, like, Aaron Rodgers is having a rough year. I think he'll be fine, but 40 more yards than Case Keenum he has. Wow. I thought we had problems. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is coming from a team that has only nine points in two games. How is that even possible? It's crazy, man. It's mind-blowing to an extent. Do you think there's any chance that if Case Keenum's out there playing brutal, the Rams pull him at halftime? Or you think if they're going to pull him, the – guy behind him is going to get a full week to prepare. I don't want to say yes, just because knowing Fisher, you know, Keenum is his boy. So I, I don't, I don't know if that'll happen per se, but there's, there's a breaking point. And if, if Keenum's throwing like pick after pick, if he's throwing like three picks, three or four picks going into halftime, I have to think at some point it's going to, it's going to, you know, make Fisher want to put in somebody else. Preferably, I, I would put in Mannion. That's a whole other issue. But, yes, I, I do think if 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 Keenum throws that many picks um, or even just looks awful out there, he should he should be benched. But whether or not Fisher will do that, I, I don't think so. I, I just think Fisher is just so high up on, on Keenum that he'll just continue with them until there's literally no other alternative. Yeah, I really think the only way we'd see a quarterback change in this game is if Keenum's got three bad picks and they're still in the game. Other than that, I'd, it would surprise me. Have they named a backup for this week? Are they just going to keep Goff as a backup moving forward? Um, as far as I know, there hasn't been any news, so I think uh, no news means that Goff would be the backup technically. Yeah. But... I don't know. Things change on a dime, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't see any news on it, so I'm I'm guessing he's staying. So I don't even know if that means – or did Mannion dress last week? I believe he did. Okay. I believe so. so they'd, all, they'd all be there. I, I would think it would be Goff if he pulled Keenum, but you never know. Okay, so who's your keys – or what player is the key to the winning this game? I'm going to go with Tavon Austin. I think, you know, the obvious ones would be Gurley getting going and Aaron Donald causing havoc. But I think Tavon 
he's a game changer when he makes plays. And if he can bust out a 30, 40, or even a touchdown on a punt return, if he could get a screen pass that actually works, unlike what they've been calling, if he can get the ball in the open field and make a big play, those are game-changing plays. And those are the kind of big plays that the Rams are desperate for, given how they've looked in the first two weeks. They need somebody to come out and just bust open a broken play, make something happen out of nothing. And Tavon Austin's a guy to do that. He's done it in the past. He's a very big boomer bust player. We know this. He'll have 20 yards over three weeks and then drop 150 and two touchdowns out of nowhere. He's a guy kind of player, and I'm hoping that this week he comes back with a big performance like he did against Tampa last year. Yeah, uh, that's honestly that was kind of who I was going to go with too. But at the rate of sounding redundant, I'm just going to go with his uh, counterpart there. I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Britt. I really like what I've been seeing with Kenny Britt. I've been pretty hard on Kenny Britt. To me, in my opinion, he's still not the number one that the Rams need. No. But I do appreciate him stepping up. I do like what I'm seeing. And uh, hopefully this continues. Hopefully he just gets in a rhythm with Case Keenum. And if he finds that rhythm, if he becomes that go-to receiver, um, I, I'm very confident that, that he can, you know, find the end zone. Hopefully it's just not, again, it's not these, uh, line of scrimmage passes, these, uh, really, really tedious passes, mid-range passes, please. Yeah. Rob Boris might be the X factor too. Actually pushing huh. the ball down the field a little bit more. Bray has been good. And I think we're both in agreement that. He's not what they need, but he's what they have, and he's doing good for being that guy. He's doing the best he can. And I think he's going to have – or I shouldn't say think. I'm hoping that he has a big game and maybe breaks open a big play like he did last year where he had a 60-yard catch against them. But, yeah, they need to open up the playbook. You would think they've learned from their mistakes in week one. And I guess they did. They improved a little bit. But they're still a horizontal offense, and that's, just, that's not going to work in anything ever. Like, I, that doesn't work at all. And it, it needs to change for such a high-paced, pass-heavy offense that the league has become. They need to air out the ball a little bit more because that's what it takes to open up the run. When you have eight guys in the box, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I, I would like to see them utilize the tight ends a little bit more, too. It'd be nice to see. Well, Kendricks got in there a couple times last week. Um, but still, try and, try and include them even more. I feel like... Kendricks is just waiting for a breakout game and hopefully that this this can be it you know it would be nice to see him in the end zone becoming that threat um and of course Higby who uh hasn't really played as well as we'd hoped uh he hasn't had too many opportunities but the opportunities he had he has had uh has ended up in a couple of drop passes so um yeah, if Higby can get involved as well, that would that would help out Keenum a lot as well. He's rusty. Or I'm sorry. He's rough, but he's had some moments. So I think Higby will get there. Obviously, he's a rookie. He was a fourth-round pick for a reason. He's got talent higher than that. I think it'll take him a little bit of time to get, get it together. But I know he has chemistry with Goff. So when he gets in there, I think he'll get a bump. And I think he'll he'll get better as the year goes on. Let's go with the opposite. Who, What player concerns you about being the un-X factor, so to say, and making bad plays and ruining the game? The entire offense? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, 
Uh, if I'm going to limit that, I guess I would go with your boy, Tavon. What? Yeah. I'm, uh, are you talking defensively? Either one. Okay. Uh, well, offense, I'll, I'll give you both. Offensively, I'm saying Tavon just because I, I feel like Tavon can be that guy. He can be that player that is worth the $42 million. But at the same time, he's made a few mistakes over the past couple of games that just made me scratch my head like, why did we give this guy $42 million? So if he can, you know, and again, it hasn't been exactly the perfect situation for him either. Ideally, he would be, you know, a deep, uh, deep ball threat, but there's no one to throw on the deep ball. Still, he needs to make some catches. Dropping, dropping passes is unacceptable, especially if you're getting, you know, getting some nice chunk of change. Defensively, I guess I, I, I would have to probably go with, uh, True Johnson. If True is not looking like himself, this could be a very long ball game, especially if Gaines is out. Um, if Gaines, if Gaines is out and True Johnson is just not himself, it, it, it's going to concern me a lot because th- this this means that they're, they're going to have open targets between Vincent Jackson, you know, uh, Mike Evans, and all you need to do is have a very confident Jameis Winston. That's all he needs, and then you know, of course, at home. There, uh, Tampa is gonna, you know, be loud. It's gonna, it's gonna rally them. So that's my biggest concern is that True Johnson doesn't hold his end. Um, then we're in really big trouble. I'm gonna take the other side and take kind of our scapegoats here, Troy Hill and Cody Sensabaugh. I, I have faith in True. I don't really see him giving up big plays, but what you said is legitimate concerns, especially given how weak Hill and Sensabaugh are is that they need True Johnson to play like the franchise guy we tagged him as. He's been pretty good this year, but you never know. But Hill and Sensible scare me because they get beat one play. Vincent Jackson might have a touchdown. And with how limited our offense is, those are game-changing plays. I know I'm kind of beating the dead horse here, but they need to come out there. And I'd love for them to take some shots at picks and stuff, but... I'd more love for them to just kind of play it safe on a lot of plays and not get beat and just hold their men down and hold down that side of the field and make sure that plays on them don't just result in big broken play touchdowns because we can't have that. And on offense, yeah, Tavon is kind of a double-edged sword. Like I said, boomer bust player. He's had no chemistry with Case Keenum this year. Week one, he had 12 targets. He only caught four of them. So he could definitely be the guy in offense as well to really slow things down, drop catches, kill drives. But I'm hoping that what I said earlier is going to be true, although it's definitely a concern both ways. I just hope Cody Sensabaugh turns around. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a cornerback that just has his has the back of his head towards the ball the entire time like he does. Yeah, he's... That's it for this week's quick episode of the Rams Talk Podcast. I will be at this game, very excited, so hopefully we can pull out a win, and we'll be back next week to break it down. Thanks for listening.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet Essentials, one device included. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.